Welcome to the first podcast by the Oil Sector's Diversity and Inclusion Council. This will be a part of a series of podcasts focusing on leadership, powerful life lessons, and valuable success strategies. We kickstart our series with a special conversation with KPC CEO, Sheikh Nawaf Saoud Sabah. Assalamu alaikum, Abu Nasser. Alaikum salam. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. And I would like to start by introducing myself. My name is Dashti and my colleague, Mrs. Asma Al-Houti. And uh, I wanted to ask, we heard, about, we heard about your interesting background and that you're a Harvard graduate. Can you please let us know more about it? Thank you. First of all, it's a pleasure to be with you and thank you for, uh, for hosting me on this, on this podcast. Um, it's interesting that you start off with that. Uh, yes, I, I, I graduated from Harvard Law School, uh, but I actually prefer to, to refer to myself as a Princeton graduate because that's where I did my undergraduate work. Um, but at, at, uh, at the law school at, uh, at Harvard, it was uh, really a, a challenge um, being actually the first Kuwaiti uh, coming through the JD program there, which is the Juris Doctor program, which is the straight law program. It was a, uh, it was a challenge. I decided to do that because I really wanted uh, to do something that nobody else had done before, and, I, and, and, uh, and it was a good challenge. And after obtaining your master's degree, what was your first job? After I got my law degree, actually, I worked at a law firm in the United States. So the reason I wanted to go to law school was not because I wanted to be a lawyer, honestly. It was because I wanted to think like a lawyer. It was because I wanted the challenge of being the first to do something. Uh, my late father was the first Kuwaiti barrister out of the, the UK. So I thought if he, did, if he did that, I wanted to do something in, in, in the US. Uh, so I wanted to learn to think like a lawyer, and then not really practice law, uh, move into, at that time, I wanted to become a diplomat and move into national security policy. Instead, I, uh, I applied to the best law school I could think of, and I, and, I, and I went there. And after that, I decided that, you know, I, this isn't bad. I can, I can do this for, for a living. And I went to work for, in a law firm in Los Angeles doing transactional when it comes to career choices here in Kuwait, we know that unfortunately the opportunities aren't plentiful. So one must truly be selective in choosing his or her career path that would ultimately grant them or fulfill their aspirations. So I'm curious to know, why specifically did you choose to work in the oil sector? Sure. Like I said, I, I went into... Uh... I went to undergraduate university at Princeton. I, I wanted to do national security policy. I wrote my thesis on national security policy for, for Kuwait. And then uh, went to law school just to learn to think. Then I realized I can do this. And I, and I decided to do that for, for a few years uh, in, in the US. Before I moved back to Kuwait, my thinking was, I'm, I want to move back home. I want to apply what I've learned uh, to my country. Where should I go? And at that point, I was between thinking of uh, uh, applying to KPC or the KIA because I had a background in corporate transactions and making deals, uh, mergers and acquisitions. And these are the two institutions really in Kuwait that would do that. So I moved away from national security, moved away from diplomacy and uh, realized that my skill set is different. So the lesson I'd take away from that is be fluid, be, be flexible in what you think you want to do. 
I went to college knowing absolutely sure that what I wanted to do, and it's not what I'm doing right yeah. now. So when I moved, uh, and, I, and I was fortunate enough uh, to come to KPC, uh, certainly the best choice I made uh, to, uh, to be in, 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 this, in the corporation. And right from day one, uh, is one of, the, uh, one of my interviews that I had at the time was, uh, please tell me if you think I'm going to be a lawyer for the rest of my career, uh, because if that's the case, I really don't want to come. I'll look for another job. And the reply uh, from uh, the person who was interviewing me here at KPC was that if you told me that you want to come here and be a lawyer for the rest of your career, we wouldn't hire you. Uh, so it was, it was a good mix. And, and right from day one, I started working on uh, upstream uh, business activities within, uh, within the oil sector. And honestly, from, from the first day, one of the first meetings I had, was on the Kuwait project with uh, with the KOC uh, upstream team. Uh, so from the first day, I was learning the uh, the upstream business, and then ultimately the rest of the business in, in, in KPC. So it's really important when you are within your uh, career path, even at, uh, within the KPC group of companies, that it, your career path will move over time and it will change over time, and you have to make sure that you have the uh, the flexibility and the knowledge to move around. So I used to read all the time. I, I used to read, I still read all the time, but I used to read books, articles with, about the different types of the oil business. The first thing you, I had to read, and I would say everybody uh, watching this would have to read. I know it's an old book, but it's fantastic. It's The Prize by Dan Jurgen. It will give you a great background on uh, the oil business. It's in Arabic and in English. Uh, so you keep broadening your horizons so that when opportunities come, you can take those. Definitely. What an inspiring and absolutely interesting journey. I, I didn't know that you've gone through all these different fields, per se. And every journey comes with hurdles and a fair share of memorable victories or special moments, as you'd like to call them. And so I believe, in my opinion, these special moments represent like the fuel that would push you forward and allow you to look further ahead. So with that being said, I'd like to please hear um, of the biggest challenge, let's say, that you faced as a leader and highlight some of the memorable moments that kept you going. Well, I had a number of, of, of uh, fun challenges. Um, the, the one that I could say uh, that I'm most proud of is if I leave someplace where I've worked, that that business or that department or that group or that team will thrive and continue to thrive. And for me, the, the, the biggest um, uh, satisfaction that I can get is seeing people that I've worked with and, certain, and people that I've helped train uh, really uh, excel. Leaving uh, your mark. Uh, leaving, leaving a mark, but I'm trying to be a little bit you know, more specific about what that means. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it means uh, seeing people that I've worked together, that I've worked with, and seeing them rise um, and achieving their, their goals. And at the same time, also knowing that if I leave any institution, any place that I'm in, that I've left it the, at least the best that I can do. Munasr, success has a lot of meanings to each person. What does success mean to you? Excellent question. Success means that I can, when I go home, uh, success in the, at, at work. In life, it's, it, it, it's, it's different things, and, and, and we can talk about that. But for success at work means that when I go home, 
I feel proud to tell my family what I've done. Uh, that I can uh, share with my family, with my kids especially, uh, that this is what I've done today and this is how hopefully your life will be better in the future. Um, also, uh, for me, success is knowing that I have a family, that my wife, for example, uh, knows that of all the sacrifices that she's had to make because I'm in the office or I'm traveling for work, uh, that it's all for a, the benefit of, of the state, of, of, of our country. We'd like to get to know you more better on a personal level. What is something you can tell us about you that no one knows? Um, there are a lot of things that, uh, no, but the, honestly, the, uh, the thing that I, that I'm a horrible surfer. I, I like to do it, um, I, and, but I'd say the few people that, uh, that uh, in our Kofpec office in, in Australia know that, who've, who've uh, taken out surfing, and they, they can see that I'm really horrible, but I like to do it and everything. The thing is, I'd, I'd like to try everything, and don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily good at it. You don't have to excel at everything. I don't have to excel, but, I, but at least I'm trying. You shouldn't stop you from um, So, yes, yeah, so I think, I'm also, I think the thing is, not afraid to fail. I think that's one of the biggest uh, things that probably people can take away is that uh, try. And, and certainly I've, I've tried a number of things and didn't do well at them. Uh, but if I can learn from that, that's, that's the benefit. This not afraid to fail mindset is one that believes that truly there are no regrets. But sometimes we do wish that we could go back in time and receive a bit of guidance. Mm -hmm. So if you had the opportunity what piece of advice would you give your younger selves, self that we could benefit from as youth? Fantastic. Um, I tried to. I, I said a little bit uh, a little while ago that one of the things I tried to do as much as I could was uh, read, learn. Um, one of the things also that I probably should have done more of is to sit down with people. I did it with a few. Is to find people within the oil sector uh, to say, to go sit down with them and say, tell me about your, your work, tell me about your life. Uh, people who are more advanced in their careers than I was at the time. Uh, so I can learn from them, ask the exact same questions that you're asking. I think that's what I've, uh, that, that's what I would love to do more of. I think right from the start, as I said, from day one, I was working uh, on uh, major projects in, in, in KPC that are of a national scope, uh, that I didn't really have that much time to uh, sit down and just uh, learn from people who were maybe three, four, five years ahead of me in seniority who can give me some of that guidance. It's quite interesting how sometimes even your personal skills get into your career. So you need to be um, social, you need to be courageous. So speaking of courage, have you ever taken a leap of faith in your early career, and was it fruitful in any way? And with that put in mind, how would you advise the youth today to gather the courage to do something out of the ordinary? Because sometimes people would refrain from doing so, especially given that there isn't a guaranteed reward or outcome that you would anticipate. That's excellent. The, we always have to take leaps of faith, yes. and I think one of the uh, one of the leaps of faith I did, I did very early on in my career, even before coming to KPC when I was working at a law firm, 
in the U.S. was uh, going up to a partner in, in the firm and saying, "Look, I've heard about this. I heard that this deal is being done by this by the firm. Uh, I want to get involved." It's it's and for me, it was a type of business that I didn't know anything about. Um, quite frankly, it was the movie business. Okay. Uh, this was a deal uh, where. Uh, uh, MGM, you've heard of MGM uh, Studios, uh, they were going public. And I wanted to do, uh, through an IPO, I wanted to do a public offering. I'd never done that before. Uh, but I knew nothing about the, the, the movie business uh, and the, how, that, how the financing for that works and how the business model works. And I just you know, went and said, I want to learn this. I want to do this with you. Um, which also entailed me having to go learn it. Uh, very quickly, but it was uh, putting myself out in in someplace in something that was beyond my comfort zone, and really you know, assuring myself that this was going to be uh, something where I was going to be uncomfortable. The way I I was taught to swim uh, was as as, a, as most of us I think were. Uh, I was. I was thrown into the deep end and tried to figure out myself out. And that's essentially what I do with, with people um, that I work with, especially when I'm training people, uh, youth. And typically, I tell them right off the, the first day, um, if we work together, you will, be in the, you will be in the deep end. And I will not let you drown, but you will swallow some water. And that's the only way we learn. And, and I think that's essentially what, what I did and how I had to deal with it. Munasar, are youth better led by rules or example? Youth? I, I don't think it's a dichotomy. I don't think it's, it's either this one or that one. You ha you, we need both. Uh, we recognize that generations are different. Every generation requires a different set of incentives and uh, ways of communication. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, uh, sit here and sound like the old guy who says that uh, when I was young, we didn't have this. It doesn't matter. It, it, we all had rules. Uh, we had rules that set the boundaries for where we, where we operate. But then we had our own inspiration. And we had uh, the freedom, flexibility, and uh, creativity and ability to think uh, that propelled us forward. So you do, yes, we do need rules everywhere, but uh, we are not incentivized by those rules. We're incentivized by our creativity and by the love and passion that we have for what we do. I agree. And speaking of generational differences, sometimes in the workplace, actually, colleagues could clash due simply to generational gap. And we recognize it's actually inevitable that younger generations are distinctively different. Not better, just different. More so in how they function and how they prefer to do things. They're seen as opportunistic, they're seen as risk takers, and sometimes they're quite vocal in expressing their views. Whereas older pioneers are somewhat reserved, conservative, and they would prefer the old and, or tried and proven methods. So how can we, as an oil sector, take these generational differences to our, adva our advantage by creating a culture that would embrace these differences and not see them as an obstacle? Culture can never be rigid. Culture has to be progressive, fluid, has to change with the times and it has to change with the generations that we have. So for example, as you said, uh, perhaps older generations tended to be more reserved, uh, not open with uh, communication, open feelings and, and, and uh, 
uh, and thoughts. Newer, uh, younger generations now uh, uh, certainly require more feedback and are more used to having instant feedback. It's, it's different from, because of, of the technology and how things have changed and how life has changed for all of us. In that vein, we have, uh, we have to continue as, as a corporation, as KPC and, 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 and all the companies under KPC, we have to continue to evolve our culture. Our culture cannot be stagnant. So we are, uh, one of the, some of the things that we're trying to do is to reach out uh, through uh, various more modes of, of communication uh, with especially our new generation of, of uh, colleagues and understand that the ways that we achieved success in the past will not take us to the future. That we have to change the way uh, we define success and also the way we achieve success. Uh, what worked in the past got us here, won't get us th into the future. I couldn't agree more. I also wanted to hear your views about competition. Now, we all know that a competitive work environment can sometimes be seen as a double-edged sword. So good competition can drive employees and push them towards working harder to achieve better results that would ultimately elevate their job satisfaction levels and contribute to the overall company's performance. But sometimes, if it gets too far, it could lead to a loss of human factor. So some employees could get too competitive to the point that they refrain from socializing or sharing knowledge. And this could lead to uh, like a last man standing kind of attitude, if you'd like to call it. So how or what advice would you give employees to find the perfect balance between pursuing their career goals? Yes, but also being a spirited team player. Sure. I think the only way you can achieve your career goals is by being a team player. Uh, competitive, competitiveness will only get you so far uh, up to a certain point and then very quickly you'll burn out or uh, you'll be uh, really ostracized in the end because the way all of us work, uh, we can't achieve anything. I can't do anything on a daily basis unless I'm working with a team and unless that team understands that we can achieve, the only way we achieve success is by working together. It is not an us. It's not, I'm sorry, it's not an I, it is us. Uh, this is a, a, uh, a business that requires we work together. So when we do, when we work from the upstream side, uh, everyone who works in a, in a, on the field uh, understands that if I am working on a wellhead right now, I, I understand, I have to understand that I have HSE backing me up I have got engineers on, on the other side ensuring that what I'm doing is right. I've got a number of people working around me. All of us have to hold uh, our fair share of that responsibility for everybody to work together. One of them falls, one of them fails. Uh, we all fail. Now, we, we came from uh, colleges and, and, and universities in, that uh, prided more individual individual work than 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 collective work. Um, for example, you mentioned you know where I went to law school. Uh, unfortunately, people would hide library books from other people because you needed this book uh, to study for for an exam or or to write a paper, and whoever got it first would would get it and then hide it from the rest of the people so that he can get a a better grade. That's not the system that, that uh, lets you succeed in life. 
Uh, and those people were very quickly exposed. And their careers suffered because of that. Uh, their lives suffered. It's not just career points. It's, it is uh, lives, uh, your personal lives. Munasr, you had a long journey, starting from the States and now the CEO of KPC. What would you do differently with this generation that you wish was done with you when you were a working youth? Um, I think one thing that I, that, and, and this is something, and I've recognized this, and this is something that I'm trying to work on right now, uh, is to give people more exposure across the businesses. So for the longest time, you are, an, you, are a, uh, you work in a, in a refinery, and that's essentially what you're going to do for the rest of your life. No. Um, or at least that may be what you're going to do for the rest of your life, and that's good. But at least you haven't seen where the oil comes from. You haven't seen the upstream side. I know we have uh, within our uh, orientation programs for everyone who's joining uh, KPC and, and our companies, an orientation program that shows you the different types of the businesses. But uh, one of the things I think we're going to work on and try to push uh, harder is not just an orientation where you sit and receive information. Instead, it is uh, a program where you go work in another part of the business. You can contribute as well. Yes, and uh, contribute and see it and see really how it works. So if you're in, in the refinery, for example, you don't know where the oil is coming from, you don't really see the full picture. Same thing, if you're working on the upstream side, uh, and once the, uh, uh, the hydrocarbons are extracted, you don't know what happens to them after they leave the tank farm. That's also uh, uh, you know, a, a negative because that restricts your ability to grow, that restricts your ability to understand the entire scope of this business. Now, speaking of the business, we've all heard about the global oil and gas trend that is energy transition. And it's accelerating actually at an impeccable speed, even faster than we can catch up. We see. IOCs and NOCs driven towards net zero emissions and even portfolio transformations by adopting new energy businesses. And this leads us to question, how can we maintain our national treasure? Like how can the oil sector sustain the crude oil production and refining capabilities while still maintaining our competitiveness in an environmentally conscious world? We recognize as, as KPC that this is a long-term energy transition, yeah. and we embrace it. Yeah. World demand for hydrocarbons is increasing uh, on a yearly basis at such a rate that if we don't have alternative sources of energy to eat up some of that additional demand for, for, for energy, then you might have an energy deficit. So let me rephrase this. We, we think that the demand for Kuwaiti hydrocarbons will continue for decades to come. Okay. The question then becomes, how can we ensure that our hydrocarbons, our barrel of oil, remains competitive from not only a cost perspective, which is it's one of the lowest cost barrels in the world, but also from a carbon intensity perspective. And here also we are blessed to have the lowest carbon intensity barrel in the world. What that means is for every barrel of oil that we extract, the carbon emissions that are associated with that extraction of, of, of that barrel of oil are the lowest anywhere in the world. But with everybody moving towards net zero, whatever that number happens to be right now, it's gonna have to go down to near zero for us to remain competitive. In the future, the 
world businesses will move towards putting a premium for low carbon barrels such as ours or taxing high carbon barrels uh, that others may be producing. So we want to maintain our, our position really at that low end of the, uh, the carbon intensity scale. What we're doing for, with all of that is looking again at how we produce. We are uh, we're maximizing the use of uh, alternative energies to the extent that we can uh, to help hydrocarbon production. And we are working now on uh, carbon capture utilization storage techniques uh, to take CO2 that would otherwise be dissipated into the atmosphere and uh, injecting it in place of the gas that we would otherwise inject to maintain exactly for enhanced oil recovery uh, to, uh, to really free up that gas for higher value products like petrochemicals and at the same time remove CO2 that would be going into the atmosphere. That's where Kuwait is going to position itself so that decades from now, our product remains needed within the marketplace. It's quite promising. Then. Yes. Munasar, thank you for your time. We enjoyed the podcast and we hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Very good to thank see you. Thank you for participating. Thank you.